0: I didn't want to rehearse anything, so I'm coming off the top of the head from inside the heart. I don't even know if I said that right, but if you don't know who I am, I am your executive producer here at the uh, Pro-Wrestling Reflection PWR show, Big Ray Hernandez, and the professor asked me to, you know, say a couple of things about the passing of both uh, Terry Funk and Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. And I guess I'll, I'll kick it off with uh, with Terry Funk, <clears throat> one of my fondest and one of the coolest memories that I remember of Terry Funk, you know, a lot of people will remember him from ECW. Um, I remember him back when uh, it was the NWA and uh, Ric Flair had just defeated Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I believe it was a Clash of Champions. For the NWA world heavyweight title. And at this time. You know Ric Flair was a mega heel. And of course Ricky. Ricky Steamboat was the huge baby face. Came to the ring with his. With his wife and his son. And um, I remember. At the end of the match. You know. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Got respect from Ric Flair. Ric Flair. I, it was kind of like a face turn for Ric Flair. I never, I had, at this point. I had never seen Ric Flair you know being so gracious in winning and then um i remember terry funk coming to the ring and terry funk uh you know he he's he wanted to congratulate rick flair and stuff like that but he had uh he had his eyes on the 10 pounds of gold and uh at that time it was probably 20 pounds the big gold belt but anyway i remember terry funk just uh you know, say, hey, man, you know, it's, it's, I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I just wanted to congratulate you. I didn't mean to, you know, steal your shine or take your glory or anything like that. You know, I'm sorry. I apologize. And I was like, oh, man, you know, look at all Terry Funk, you know, being all sorry. And Terry Funk comes and beats the living hell out of Ric Flair. And I remember the vision of him that being Terry Funk pile driving uh, Ric Flair through not through a table onto a table because this was like the thickest strongest table I've ever seen in my life and I was like wow whoa, this is going to be good and it was a great feud for uh, between those two and then I remember later on you know a couple of years down the line you know tuning in to watch this crazy wrestling promotion that was so real this, this is real people were telling me it's real like, what are you talking about? Real? At the time, you know, there was kind of like that shoot wrestling thing going on. And I remember seeing Terry Funk on this thing called ECW. And I was like, wow, man, I remember Terry Funk. And my God, I was able to, to continue to follow his career. I remember him when he first started in the WWF. Well, not in the WWF, not when he first started, but, you know, when I first saw him as a kid, uh, it was in a WWF, you know, from Double Cross Ranch, and his brother Dory was already older. But I was able to, you know, as I grew old, I was able to read the magazines and look at old VHS tapes and really appreciate all the work he did. You know, that moment when he won the NWA World Heavyweight Title was just absolutely tremendous. You know, and and I was yelling forever, forever, for that was like true passion, man, and. I do know a lot of people personally that actually work with Terry Funk. And he was just somebody who really wanted to and always wanted to give to the business. You know, uh, Paul Heyman did a, uh, you know, he they were talking to Paul Heyman on the ECW. Uh, I think it was the Monday Night Wars, if I'm correct. I can't remember. But I remember one thing I always, that always stuck out to me was when Paul Heyman was talking about Terry Funk. You know terry funk took joy in building people up making superstars i'll work with him oh i would love to work with him i'd love to get that kid over that is so missing from the business nowadays terry funk you know got to live a nice incredible long life and he did a lot he's lived a thousand lives Almost hit 80. You know, like they say, one hell of a run. So, big respect to an absolute legend, somebody who exemplified, you know, the love of professional wrestling, the entire business, a hell of a promo, one hell of a look. That spinning toe hold was deadly don't forget the uh the gimmick where he brand when he used to brand people <laughs> yo man that it was crazy but you know terry funk was uh he lived a nice wonderful long life and as you guys know or if you don't know the fact that terry funk made it this long <laughs> and wrestled for that long is incredible what an indelible spirit rest in peace to the legend ECW legend NWA legend WWF Anywhere he was Anywhere Any building Any organization he stepped into He was a legend Rest in peace Terry Funk This one is tough And now um, You know I just spoke about Terry Funk And This one is Um very tough. I remember back when uh, when Owen passed away, Owen Hart. It was such a shock, and I liked Owen Hart, but you know, there's something, and maybe he connected with you. I just never had that connection with Owen Hart. Uh, God bless him. But Eddie Guerrero was something different, and when Eddie Guerrero passed away. I remember literally bawling, crying, almost as if like, like a family member died, a family member had passed away, Eddie Guerrero connected with me, I cared for him, I, I had love for him, you know, I, I, I had watched his career uh, grow from from Lucha Libre into the into the WCW, then he defected to the WWF at the time. As a radical and then finally beating Brock Lesnar and becoming the world champion. The reason I'm talking about this is because. he was young man. And then you have Bray Wyatt. Now the reason why. Now Bray Wyatt connects with me on so many different levels. Um, Number one I think he and people may not. They, you know, there are a lot of people that talk so much about Bray Wyatt and some of it negative, some of it positive. I'm more, I've always been more of a positive person when it came, uh, about, you know, when it came to talking about Bray Wyatt. And again, I'm not, nothing's rehearsed. This is all coming from my heart. And Bray Wyatt, I always thought was a, was an incredible genius. I mean, I think we only got to see a very small microcosm of what that character was. I mean, Deep Cuts, the Anunnaki, Lizard People. um, Like, I mean, the things that he would talk about were way over the head of, I'm sure, every writer in the WWE and Vince McMahon himself, and even 90% of the fans. It was brilliant, man. And he, you know, I mean, you have to give this guy credit. You know, they booked him as Husky Harris when we knew he was Rotunda's kid, Mike Rotunda's kid. And then he Was able To totally have us Absolutely forget about Rotunda Forget about Husky Harris And become this Indelible character This amazing character Bray Wyatt He started off man Talking about the fireflies He started off man Talking about how he was the eater of worlds I remember one of his first FCW promos He had a little bit more of a Cajun, you know He's like, I had a daddy He had a shrimp boat And I and I lit that boat on fire Somehow caught on fire My daddy sunk with that boat Everybody knew Mike Rotunda was his father But he made you believe In this character And I remember him saying something along the lines of And you know I went away for a long time and I got I taught myself to read C-Spot Run. I started with C-Spot Run, but mostly I read the good book. And he made you freaking absolutely get sucked into that character. And then with Luke Harper and just the the, the sheep mask. And I mean it was so deep. I loved it. And I connected with it. I was like this is you know some people will say oh it's too hokey it's too magical it? no this this was for me pro wrestling and the reason why and, and another reason why i connected with it there's three reasons that's one reason number two was because my son absolutely loved bray wyatt loved bray wyatt he I, if you go to his instagram at aiden dude i think it is I was like, man, this kid really posts about Bray Wyatt. Little cartoons about Bray Wyatt, and 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 little animations about Bray Wyatt, and he just kept going on and on. He loved him some Bray Wyatt, and I understood why he loved Bray Wyatt so much. He was different. He was special. My son. Dressed up like Funhouse Bray Wyatt. Think about this. He was able to get past Husky Harris, become that crazy Cajun character, that cult leader, and then become this crazy Mr. Rogers like character who also had a darker side. And Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or what was it? Dr. Yeah, I think that's right. Again, I don't. I didn't rehearse this and, um, he, uh, God, he got those characters over. And then when he came back again, when we heard that he was sick, I I was so into like the uncle howdy thing. And I was like, wow, where is this character going? My son loved it. And I couldn't wait to take my son to see wrestling, to see Bray Wyatt in this new iteration. My son got to see him. I never got to see him wrestle live and now i'm welling up a little bit and i'll explain to you why i was laying down on the sofa and my son wakes me up we had literally i kid you not we're speaking about bray wyatt the day before actually no we were speaking about him that morning during breakfast i had taken him out i had taken him out to the diner and um my son says dad dad wake up i was taking a nap i'm old (laughs) and he told me that bray wyatt passed away and I said, no, 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 I, I immediately jumped on the phone. No, like, it has to be fake. See TMZ reporting and all these people that I know that I trust reporting. And I couldn't believe it, man. Young man in his thirties. And this is the third reason why I connected with him as a father. my biggest fear is leaving this earth and leaving my son and as a husband, leaving my wife behind to mourn my loss. Cause I love them so much. And to hear how much <clears throat> Bray Wyatt loved his family, loved his kids, how good a person he was and how much care he had in his heart, not only for the business, that's one thing but as m- how much love and devotion he had for his family that broke my soul and there's this video of this little boy standing outside an arena in an empty parking lot and I think Bray had promised to come back and he did just Bray Pulled op- pulled open the gates, just for that kid. Gave the kid a hug. Gave the kid a high five. Took pictures with the kid. Spent time with that little boy. In those four minutes, that little kid will never forget. I don't mean to break down, but this one really hurt. I hurt for I hurt for his wife. And as a son who lost his father at the age of 31 and i felt cheated i can't imagine what those i can't imagine what his kids are going through right now and also as a father for mike rotunda to see his son die before him it's not supposed to be that way you know the old saying you're not supposed to see your you're not supposed to bury your kids. And then to lose a brother, Bo Dallas losing his brother. I mean, it's just such a great loss. I really wish um on listening to all the WWE wrestlers talk about him. And it's sincere, man. These people really loved him. All right, I'm going too long here. Um I just wanted to uh, say that I think that Bray Wyatt is absolutely a WWE Hall of Famer. I want you to really wrap your head around what this man did in 10 years, just as the Bray Wyatt character. He came in in 2009. I think it's well-deserved and um, man, just love and hug each other, appreciate every day. Every day is a gift. And tomorrow is never promised With that being said A tearful Stuffy nosed Executive producer Is wishing you guys Nothing but love, health, happiness And many days to come God bless you guys And uh, thank you professor and Tommy Wonder For doing what you do every single week pro Reflection Oh yeah, one more quick thing um, Remember I told you guys How much Aiden loved Bray Wyatt um, Aiden did like a quick little Minute long tribute To Bray Wyatt Fully edited by himself And uh, I thought I'd toss it on here So With that being said uh, We'll jump into Aiden's Tribute uh, and then, uh, we'll jump into the actual podcast, the pro wrestling reflection tribute to the late great Terry Funk and when the rotunda AKA Bray Wyatt, may these two men rest in peace and live on forever. I said that like Bray Wyatt live on forever. when the lights go
1: out, you should run. I'd like to welcome you all to the era of Wyatt! Start every morning with a smash! If I told you a story, could you keep a secret?
2: I ain't hard to find. All you gotta do is go look up in the sky and
0: follow the puzzle.
1: Oh, little one, my little, little one, come, 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 with me, your life is done, forget the future, forget the past, life is over, breathe your life. The WWE family is saddened to learn of the passing of one of the most iconic figures in sports entertainment, WWE Hall of Famer, Terry Funk. I didn't want to be president. I didn't want to be anything. I knew what I wanted to be since I could walk. I wanted to wrestle. Born into a wrestling family, Terry Funk burst onto the scene with his brother Dory Funk Jr. as part of their father's homegrown promotion in Amarillo, Texas. The Funk's are legends. I've always looked up to Terry Funk. I love watching him work in the ring. I love the unpredictability. Unbelievable work ethic and Terry Funk was a great great performer. I learned a lot from Terry Funk. Terry's rugged, no-nonsense style captivated the NWA audience catapulting him to great success. Terry Buck has just achieved the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to go ahead and prove to you people that I will be the finest champion that this world has ever seen. Terry's popularity captured the attention of Hollywood. You're a dead man. There is just one of me. Terry would continue to captivate audiences all around the globe. Ah.
0: middle-aged and crazy like a
1: fox. Making an impact in WCW, ECW, and WWE, where his matches with WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley would pioneer the hardcore style. Terry was ahead of his time in the sense that he did things that nobody ever did before. These former foes would then go on to join forces, reaching ultimate triumph at WrestleMania 14. Terry Funk, Cactus Jack are the new Tag Team Champions! Terry Funk is one of the nicest guys, one of the kindest guys. I feel fortunate, he had a way of bringing out the best of me. In 2009, alongside his brother, Dory Funk Jr., Terry would take his rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. Before it was fashionable to call ourselves ECW, Terry Funk was extreme. I want to thank you so much. You make an old man feel good. Thank you. I'm going to go on record as saying, in my own personal opinion, Terry Funk's the greatest superstar of all time. A five-decade career that may never be replicated. Terry's tireless dedication left an indelible mark on the sports entertainment world. The WWE family will remember Terry Funk as a family man, a fearless entertainer, and an unforgettable pioneer. We love you guys! We love you! All the media are the largest arms in the world run wild on you. The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive execution, the Hitman.
0: WrestleMania weekend
1: isn't complete without the Heartbreak Kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on
3: Dusty Rhodes and
1: his family. They think they got the answers, I change the question.
0: You will rest in peace.
1: Get used to it in Ric Flair. Who you're looking at, the man.
3: Reflectionites. what is going on there? To the Big Vedaites, the Hamenites, and all theites. And as you can tell by the professor in his melancholy voice, I want to be more subdued right now because of the circumstances that are that is beyond our control. I like to be jovial. I like to be as positive as possible. But in due time, I will be a little bit jovial because we're going to be talking about we're going to be celebrating the lives of people that have. That are gone too soon, and if you didn't, if you don't know, if you're living under a rock, you know this has been a very bad week in the world of professional <laughs> wrestling. This has been a very bad week in the world of entertainment. I mean, we lost a lot of people, and it makes you reflect because, you know, I've been doing this show since 2017, give or take, and that's like six years. Goddamn it! This is, this this has been more of a commitment than my, my relationships, you could say. I've been more committed to this cause than relationships. That's why I have booty calls, neither, neither here nor there. But you get the point. When we do these type of shows, and you know reflection ice the 12 that rode strong, you know when we do a couple of spotlights, we like to focus on that one wrestler. We always like to focus on the one person, give that person it's just do. But again, circumstances beyond our control, I figure I pull a curveball. And really talk about both. And you know what? We we've seen some matches, but we're gonna be going freestyle here. We're gonna be talking about our memories, the memories of these professional wrestlers. One I've grown up with. The other one is now you know gone too soon, and we'll get to that in a, in a couple of minutes. But welcome to the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the PWR Spotlight here at the High Main Media Group at PowerBeam.com and if you don't know me, I am the most glorious man in the IWC, YWC, PWC punditry. The only objective man in this political spectrum. The only objective man in this X-verse. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabelo Cruz. And I'm not here alone, no, 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 no. I need somebody to really talk about the memories. I need somebody else to bounce off things that I might have forgot. I might remember one match. My partner in crime might remember a different match. So that's why I need somebody to tell me what their memory, what his memories were about these two individuals. He is the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, dumb, dumb, doing idiot song. Dr. Freaking Stein, the iron stomach one, Canada's greatest export. Import. They they, they took me. Okay. Either way. (laughs) Tommy wonder. How are you doing? My friend. And before you answer that, you're fine. I know that, but again, circumstances beyond our control we had to pull a curveball on this and for this particular episode it makes us reflect because of our format it makes us reflect because of the formula that we are we are the most nostalgic podcast out there we are we always go into time machines to celebrate what we watched for the last 40 50 years but of course the downturn of that the the negative part of that is the people that we've grown up with the people that we've you know grown up with a, on our TVs N- you know mortality is a bitch and you can only go so far and we lost some people so let's say TW, how are you doing my friend i didn't want to pu- start on a bummer question
2: it was it's, it's a heavy week man and you know not to to say that one of them's not as sad as the other the, the other one at least had a good run man it's like mm-hmm. granted i still think that age is a little too young too considering the older I get, the more I realize how far away that isn't. Um, but the other one, a couple of days later, was just like... I'm pretty sure I was sitting somewhere and I read it on my phone and it just... It changed my whole day, man, like... like You, you know, the weird thing is, is most of the times when I see uh, death notices on the internet, I I don't react right away because some of them are bullshit. There's losers out there who think it's funny do a fake death hoax to make people think someone died and when I saw one about Bray I I, I feel like I just knew I was just like wow like like mm-hmm. not that I saw it coming but the hard part of it was hours or a day earlier I read he had just gotten over an illness and was coming back yeah. and then I saw that and I thought wow and the one bright side is, is there were a lot of people who immediately thought the, the S word, and I'm glad it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. But then the real way it happened makes it even sadder, you know. Like, man, that's young, man. It's very young, and I think, I think I thought he had three kids, and I seen a picture. Looks like he had four, or one on the way, and three.
3: I, I think, I good. think, I think three from a previous marriage, one with his current uh, wife JoJo, right. yeah. something, something like that. But <laughs> reflection ice again. This is, this is going to be a heavy PWR podcast, so we're going to do our best to celebrate the lives of Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. We're going to celebrate the life and career of Terry Funk from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. And as TW is holding up those WWE collectibles, those action figures... I guess we're going to start with, you know, the elephant in the room, and that is Bray Wyatt. I mean, the age that he passed away and, you know, conflicting reports that he, you know, he was battling COVID and all that stuff. And, of course, at the time, you know, in 2020, Thrust, T.W., Bray Wyatt was at a hefty, I believe, 315, 325 pounds. So that compounds if you have covid and you have right. heart conditions and all that stuff so i'm not you know i'm not getting into the conspiracies of you know you should shooting went with that. husky a husky 315 well he's 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 a husky no he is a husky 315 husky I just
2: Harris know. man i'm tipping
3: out to no, 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 Harris. no 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 we'll get into the i'll get into <laughs> the logistics but i just want to talk about the present of, of the circumstances because again that's that's one of the reports i heard about the covid part and again, right. I don't want to get conspiratorial because, you know, we have people within our groups, the PWS Sohami Media Group, you know, they, they'll talk about, well, did he get vax and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into that. But being 325 and, and you know that COVID always have, has these, you know, complications with heart uh, conditions and stuff like that. You know, it's a very, you know, sketchy thing. So maybe that's what. And... That's one of the sketchiest parts of that. You know, he was trying to recover. Like you said, he might have been medically cleared, but, you know, gone too soon. So with that being said, let's talk about Bray Wyatt first because 36 years old, T.W., I'm older than him. You're older than him. You know, he is reaching, you know, the peak of his pro wrestling career. You know, he's at the he's at the prime of his pro wrestling career so you know what with that being said reflection nights we're going to talk about bray wyatt a little bit first because it is you know for that age tw the legacy you know dying so young it's like you know elvis presley dying young it's like kurt cobain dying at a young age you know let's be truthful here on the pwr podcast you know you you saw the Twitter trolls. I saw the Twitter trolls. You know, when Bray Wyatt was alive, you know, people were making fun of him. People were making fun of how, if he was a diva, you know, because of his, you know, creative control, so to speak. But then he passes away and everybody is, you know, are, is a fan. Everybody's saying R.I.P. So I'm going to say this right now. The people who were trolling Bray Wyatt during this time, y'all some hypocrites. You know what? I'm not I'm not gonna say like this, TW, and I'll be truthful. The only criticism I'll give to Bray Wyatt was character related, wrestling character related. I never questioned him as a human being. I right. never questioned him because you know the choices he's made, you know, privately. You know, again, people could talk about his family stuff. You know, he cheated on his wife and to get the I don't give a damn about that. I'm just talking, I was always always critiquing the character part. And the one positive and one negative at the same time, right now, TW, is Bray Wyatt has a vivid imagination. And you could tell that with his career on the main roster with the WWE. You know, the Wyatt family, you can tell being the son of Mike Rotunda, being from a family lineage that includes Black Jack Mulligan, Kendall Windham, Barry Windham. His brother is Bo Dallas, by God. So he comes from a family lineage that understands the art of psychology, that understands, you know, You know, what what pops in the ring. So I have, that. the only criticism I would give him is the vivid imagination that he had for his character. And I'm talking about the Fiend character. I'm not talking about the Wyatt family, because the Wyatt family was so perfect. But again, I'll get back to the hypocrites of the IWC and YWC, and you'll you'll know where I'm going with this. With the Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse, the vivid imagination, the only criticism that the professor would give is that he couldn't harness it. He couldn't balance it because, again, evidently, you got to get into the ring. You know what I mean? But, with that criticism, that I'll say this, I will defend Bray Wyatt. I will defend the WWE because I will take certain things back because, you know what? If social media was at its precedence in the 90s like it is today, TW, we'd have been shitting on The Undertaker. The Undertaker yeah. would never have a 30-year career with that gimmick. Even though he changed it a little bit, he tweaked it in the 2000s. You know where I'm going with this. Oh my god, What, what what's with this in the urn? What's with him having a brother king and burning all that stuff? Because then... <laughs> People we, do that now
2: in, in yeah. retrospect. Yeah,
3: <laughs> That's, it, that's it, it's in retrospect. Yeah, so with Bray Wyatt, I want to take back some of my criticism. Again, it, it, that's the only criticism I had. He couldn't harness it to to do it in the ring. But again, Bray Wyatt, Reflection Nights is probably, and I'll say this, maybe you have a different uh, opinion on this, T.W. I think he was the last larger-than-life character that the WWE had in terms for the kids because of the presentation that he had, not only with the Wyatt family, but with the Firefly Funhouse and with the fiend character, because the kids could wear the mask, the oh, kids could wear the sweaters and all that. everywhere. That's at ATW. They're,
2: so, you know, I'm not going to call him a peg warmer because he's not. He moves merchandise. That's why there's so much of it. But mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things you want to talk about the 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 downside of of someone dying, like that part of it. Obviously, the downsides to them dying, but mm-hmm. forever. If you went into a Target or a Walmart, there was either a, what's they call it? Well, funhouse version mm-hmm. of Bray, looking yeah. like Mr. Dress-Up. Looking like Mr. Rogers,
3: a Demented yeah. Mr. Rogers.
2: There was one of those two figures, and not always the same two. There'd be multiple different Brays, multiple different Fiends. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, it's over there, but there's two versions of the Fiends in the Ultimate Editions, and I didn't get the one that came with that belt that he had, right? Okay. I got the second one. And I had been recently try, you know, like trying to find the first one without, you know, paying an arm and a leg for it. And then just like when Dale Earnhardt died, just like when the Blue Blazer gimmick had a figure, Owen died literally the night before it hit stores the next day. And they recalled it. I wow. had one. Uh, I got it at the store. I got four of them. But the, the, the problem is, is now people buy it because he died, not because they wanted it. So then you have people who wanted it. Who now can't get it unless they want to pay ridiculous prices? That thing was like 30 bucks forever, mm-hmm. which is what it was at retail. It's 60, 70, 80 dollars now. So I'll wait because mm-hmm. it'll come back down. It's just the the pouchers or whatever. But the mm-hmm. good thing about Bray, one way or the other, we're talking about him. Whether I wasn't a big wide family guy, that's not my wheelhouse. My buddy Dennis in LA is absolutely crushed right now like that dude he he made me sad with him because of how he reacted because i was like hey man did you hear the news and he found out waiting for me to respond to his huh and then he found out and him and alistair black those are his dudes right or
3: whatever that month Mon- malachi Mal-
2: malachi black now but um the thing is i know who he is it wasn't my cup of tea uh you know who he is wasn't necessarily your cup of tea everything he did, people who you're right, people know who he is, even if they're not watching wrestling, because it was such a different thing. It was different in a mm-hmm. world where there's a lot of cookie-cutter shit going on. And I'm talking about both A and B companies. There's a lot of people that are a lot alike on both rosters and each other's. Like There's guys yeah. on this roster that looks like that guy's roster and vice versa. He was different. And again, some of it was out there. But one thing is undeniable, man, and, and I'm almost talking from the jump is when that dude came out that entire arena lit up it lit up immediately people sang that song like the whole world all that and and you you, you hit the nail on the head man it, it kids were either afraid of them or all in on them adults were happy that their kids had someone that they were all in on and mm-hmm. then there are adults that are all in on them and he he had it there's no doubt about it Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, Fiend, the Husky Harris, and I'll I'll say this about him: when they were doing that NXT, I think he was first first run NXT, the first coaches and 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 he was he was on
3: the second season of the NXT, the Vince. Okay, he was second season. Yeah,
2: he was the one who who like in hindsight I would say had the most confidence, like he, but when I was watching it, he was the cockiest one. Like that dude was going for it. There was no doubt in his mind. Can't remember. Was Jericho his, was his mentor?
3: I don't remember the mentor, but either way, he,
2: he, he was in it to win. And, you know, I don't even know how real that was or whatever, as far as like, was it cutthroat and certain guys were making it. Certain guys weren't, Um, Mm -hmm. but he stood out among all of them. And, and, in a way where I looked at him and thought, he didn't look like the guy. He didn't look like a guy that would be that cocky, but he was. And he went on for the last 10 years to to prove why he believed in himself. He he did well. It sucks his last match, I believe, was that Pitch Black Mountain Dew match. Mm-hmm. And and you immediately think of that match and you think of that damn, uh, you know, I feel bad for it. I think it's the night I stopped really... I don't know that I ever really was a Seth Rollins fan, but I think that match he had with Seth, with them chairs all piled up.
3: Oh, that, the uh, Hell in the Cell in twenty. When it 19, was all 20, red, 20. the yeah. light
2: was red. Mm-hmm. Those two matches are are like two of the most piled-on matches ever. And I don't even think the Pitch Black match was bad at all. It felt like a regular match. If anything, I was upset LA Knight lost, but it was it was just lighting. Who cares? It wasn't like they were doing, you know
3: tuxedo match but but that's but that's an example of the professor's criticism well number one is the fickleness of the fans but that is the the criticism that i had of bray white and i said the imagination is very right yeah right
2: his concepts didn't come across yeah in in wrestling matches yeah it
3: just doesn't balance it it just doesn't balance it out but the fickleness of fans like you said, with the Hell in a Cell in 2019, that was all red. The the pitch black match with L.A. Knight, you know, then the fans just rammed on it because then it's almost like you're blaming Bray Wyatt's right. imagination. You're blaming Bray right.
2: Wyatt's. You love t- everything t- else he did. and yeah. then you shit on the one time you don't like it.
3: And again, and and again, T.W. It's like what you said with Husky with his Husky Harris. Being part of the legacy, being part of the lineage of the Rotunda, when the family, Blackjack Mulligan, he was so wrestling ready because he understood the psychology of it. He understood the business end of it. Now, could, 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 could TW, T, T, let me ask you this. If he just stayed as Husky Harris, do you think he could main event WrestleMania? Mm. I don't think so. No. But no. he would be He would be a, a serviceable hand with the Husky ha- Harris moniker the character he he would have
2: been among the ones
3: released at least one of the but because it's too generic he would have had to venture in the indies and recreate his gimmick or whatever the case may be but that's why that's why i say he was so wrestling ready because he understood husky harris is serviceable but it's not something that's gonna catch you know the catch (laughs) me. Well, again, that's that's debate. Better, We hear Better hear another. Better, yeah. But but he knew he knew that when he went back, he had to hone in on a character. So we'll, let's talk about that because he when he went back to NXT, he like Husky Harris died, right. and out came from the trenches of I believe in the bayous of Louisiana. I remember I forgot where the Y family were from supposedly, but they never really talk about where you're from. But let's just hypothetically say from the bayous of Louisiana Sticks. from. The, the sticks, if you will, Reflectionites, the character of the Wyatt family was born. Bray Wyatt was the cult leader, but he needed some backup. And Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee, were the perfect, you know, monsters to protect their cult leader. And T.W., with the look of Bray Wyatt, you know, it's Kate Fear. It's, uh, you know, the sociopath and all that stuff. And in terms of professional wrestling, Reflectionites, Bray Wyatt honed in on Wailin' Mercy, Dan Spivey's character, which sure. struck. He honed in on the psychological uh, ramifications of Jake the Snake Roberts. He honed in on the psychological uh, manipulations of Raven. He honed in on the—I don't want to say supernatural instincts, but you'll get where I'm going with this—of Kevin Sullivan. He merged. He created a hybrid of three of the top villains. In the wrestling industry, in the professor's humble opinion, to hybrid it into this one gimmick that is the y Family. What's CTW about that assessment, or do you have a different interpretation the of the y The second
2: I thought Waylon Mercy, and mm-hmm. and what I was gonna say is, he took Waylon Mercy, which everyone shit on with Danny Spivey, didn't mm-hmm. last long, and made it work. He did it and made it work, and maybe it worked because he was part of a cult, and that was Danny Spivey being alone just was It just wasn't enough, right? and mm-hmm. also there's there's it, we, we say it a million times You take the worst gimmick if you go out there and accept it and make the best of it, it's gonna lead to better things. Steve Austin being the perfect example, someone saddled with a horrible gimmick, and he let his work and his speech and all that break out of that, and we don't even talk about the remaster. We don't even hold it against him anymore. There's one figure of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bray Wyatt is a phenomenal talker. Phenomenal. Like whether it be improv whether a riffing back and forth, which I'm sure there's an outline, but he, the way he worded things, he was a poet and, and it was Edgar Allen Poish. It was Vincent Price. It was macabre. That's what I think you would say. Kevin Sullivan, he stole from, it was just, it was evil, mm-hmm. it, right. but it was, it was intriguing evil, not run and hide behind a building evil.
3: That, that's why I said he's a hybrid of, like, the intellectuals of Jake yeah. Snake, Kevin yep. Sullivan, Raven, and he yeah. merged that into that yeah. one character for himself. And then Plus, one, the look of Wailing Mercy is, is a perfect trifecta. The right? one
2: thing he did that wrapped it all up together for me to legitimize it all, mm-hmm. because you all right, he's already taught you into thinking he was a weirdo, right? But mm-hmm. you don't really know it for sure until he does the crab soccer walk. Right. like. That's his Shawn Michaels kip up when oh, he you did the, that.
3: Oh, you mean the spider walk? Yeah, the, the, the spider walk. Well, mm-hmm. in school, they
2: called it crab soccer. I said to play yeah. soccer like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he did that, people were like, whoa. And he looked like triple jointed when he did it. It was a full arc. And like mm-hmm. you said, he was a big boy. So him doing that, that's pretty impressive. That's like Drew McIntyre doing the kip up, blows me away every time. That's a big guy doing the kip up, right? Right. And Bray Wyatt did that. It got a response every time. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the Undertaker. He did it to the Undertaker. Sat up, and then he did that. and They were staring at each other upside mm-hmm. down. Those are iconic moments, and and that was the thing. And that's what I thought you were trying to say earlier. Is like he was great, and then the bell rang. Like I thought you're saying he couldn't. Oh, no. You meant the concepts didn't work in the matches. It, mm-hmm. but he he was a good worker, and when he when he kissed you and did the 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 finisher, which. The sister Abigail. The sister Abigail was, but is that the Cody Rhodes move or? You could, you could. It's close to the crossroads. Yeah, it is close to that. But just he, he, he had it all, man. He had it all, and like I was saying to you guys, I think it was you and Ray in the group text. I was like, it's even more tragic for the how the last two years went. The dude got released, came back, got sick, and then just never really got to come back and put it all together. But he did have that. That little six month run. Mm-hmm. Many people regard his his coming. I mean, it's second, it's it's not second to anybody. It's the the next one since Jericho when you when you did the countdown clock, right? Like mm-hmm. the the QR codes and all that stuff. It was it kept people interested. Like did people want to know who that was gonna be. And when he came out, most of us were like, okay, it's great. We all knew it would be, but some people were surprised. Same thing with Cody. When Cody came out of WrestleMania, we, I was relieved. I, was, I wasn't like, I knew it, because I never knew it. It, it mm-hmm. all made sense that it would be him, but you didn't know for sure. And then when it was him, I was relieved. But other people were shocked because, get this, some people aren't on the internet. They just watch wrestling on TV, and then they go to the show, and the only thing they know about is what they see on their TV and what they, uh, you know, if they call them a, a re- by a wrestling magazine or something, that. They don't know... Spoilers. They don't know mm-hmm. people that live to ruin shit for people.
3: And a- absolutely, I mean, I can go back to that. But it's that, that's why I said the the dirt sheets kind of ruined a lot of things, and the yeah. and the podcast has kind of ruined a lot of things. And again, reflection. I, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here, but you know who you are. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to call you out by names, but you know who you are, and you know the people that I'm talking about. Because again, you know. And, and we could use Bray usual Wyatt... Usual suspects. Yeah, so much. but you, we could use Bray Wyatt and, and the way the, the IWC treated this because all the positives that we are talking about of Bray Wyatt, the, the character, the, the aura, the presence, you know, people want to ruin it because what? He lost to John Cena at WrestleMania or he lost to The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Oh, and, and TW, you know where I'm going with this? The losses overshadow the gimmick. Remember in the 80s, it didn't matter if, like, Jake the Snake lost to Randy Savage in the 80s. It didn't matter that Jake the Snake lost to, like, Ricky Steamboat in the 80s, because Jake the Snake is still a larger-than-life character. The pro- And I, like I say, Reflection nice Bray Wyatt is, is the last larger-than-life character, but he needed to win. It just didn't make no sense because he wasn't shielded like, like those guys were in the 80s because of mark part podcasters people talk about oh he wasn't booked right or it didn't go this way he should it's like you say tw everybody should be the world heavyweight champion everybody should be in the main event of wrestlemania no everybody has a place and if your stories supersedes the belt if your stories supersede win wins and losses it shouldn't matter it should be like damn that was a great program between Bray Wyatt and X, Y, Z. What say you two know about that? You
2: know, funny? it's funny it's, because something just popped in my head. We talk a lot about, not just you and I, but other people, about who's the best to never be world champion. I say mm-hmm. it's Rick Rude and Razor Ramon. Uh, you know, two people that I don't think any of us have ever brought up, maybe you have, are Jake the Snake and Roddy Piper. And the mm-hmm. why? Because those two lived a career telling people, I don't need no belt to get over. They didn't need a belt, and then no one ever throws them in the hat for guys that should have been world champion. It's almost like they accept it from them, but they – I never understood why people jump the ship on someone when they don't win. Like, first Mm -hmm. of all, if you're going to call yourself a smart mark, which is, by the way, not a badge of honor, like wrestlers don't rip on marks. They rip on smarks for the record. Right. Because without Marks, they don't feed their families.
3: The Mm -hmm. Smarks are the ones. No money.
2: No money's coming in. in. I get where you're going with that. It's Mm -hmm. the Smarks who don't spend a dime, who don't go to shows. All they do is sit behind a keyboard and make fun of wrestling an armchair book. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're so smart, then why do they not understand the good guy's going to win 90 percent of the time? So when Bray Wyatt or the Fiend is a heel. He's going to lose to John Cena. He's going to lose to the Undertaker. He he, by the way, I'm pretty sure he beat John Cena earlier in his career. Um,
3: and he uh, got the win back, but you know, yeah, again, it's semantics. But, people, but how I do not have it?
2: the patience to wait for that, right? Jericho, who you who I used to think is the best in the world, I like him a little less every day because of what he's become. He he's almost a smart now, but he made a good You know, the Facebook will show you videos and you got to hit them to watch them. He was talking at one of them like TED talk looking things for wrestling. And he and he said, listen, if you come up to me and you tell me don't like what I'm doing right now, but you liked it a month ago, just shut up and let it play out. You don't stand up in the middle of a movie and yell, I don't like it. You wait to the end and then you talk about the whole story, not just that one part. And so Mm -hmm. these people losing their minds over a loss, it's like, first of all, it's a work. That's first and foremost. You're supposed to know that because you're a smart mark. You know there's no real winners or losers. It's all part of an ongoing thing. So Mm -hmm. if he loses, big deal. Look what they're doing with LA Knight right now. I don't think I've seen one person complain about him losing to Austin Theory in that match last week because of how he lost. The Miz made him lose, and it's furthering their storyline. So it doesn't matter that he lost to Austin Theory. He's going to get that title someday. He's just not going to beat Ray Fork. He's going to beat Austin Theory or another bad guy for it because he's a babyface now. If he beats Ray Mysterio for it, you're, you're splintering the fans who like both, like Hogan and Warrior. So people need to calm down about losses. Some people are made in losses. Macho Man losing to Warrior in the retirement match, made that Mm -hmm. guy more popular than ever.
3: Yeah, again, you and I understand the semantics and the reasonings for things. But again, with the Mark Podcasters and the Smarks, as you say, you know, for Bray Wyatt, he has to, you know, he's suffering because of people's Trolling that he lost to John Cena. He yeah. the, the, the second guessing of and the he seemed like the this. kind of guy who
2: struggled with mental health, and it might have made him second guess. They might have ruined something
3: that he was having brewed, or per, well, like you say, perpetuate that mental illness or whatever. Right. But we, that's again, what I mean. that's that's alleged reflection. We're not saying, do his yeah, thing. we're not even even going that route. We just you know, again, we're, we're mad at you, Marks. We're not mad, you know. It's Smart. all that stuff. Marks. The Marks Yes, I'm. I'm. My apologies. But we're mad at the smarts. But let's celebrate Bray Wyatt. And let's go into the ambiance of his character. Especially before the Fiend stuff. The Wyatt family. Was so simplistic. I'm, I'm, no, no. I can't say simplistic. It was very thorough. Because of the, the, the imagery that it presented. All in black light, you could say. In the darkness. And Bray is holding the lantern. And then... Luke Harper and Eric Rowan are coming, you know, right, by, right behind him. And he's about to light the lantern. And he says those two words. We're here. <sighs> yeah. And the place goes black. The arena goes black. The cell phone mm-hmm. lights come up. Mm-hmm. And the music. The music is so iconic with that. So, yeah. T.W., what say you about just to get him into the ring? It's almost like, and, and you know, the, 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 the marks. I got to be happy for them. Yeah. They're saying this is awesome before he even locks up and does anything. Because of, of the experience that Bray Wyatt brings, because it actually coincides with the undertaker, because what are the two entrances that you really like paid your hard earned money to see reflection nights undertakers one, because you can't beat that. But number two, TW, in my opinion would have been a Bray Wyatt entrance. What say you about that? And Bobby Roode glorious.
2: Short lived. Yeah, 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 that was short lived. But <laughs> I was so so. That's the funny thing, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, I I want to apologize for this. I I'm a body guy, right? I when I am a fan of someone, it's usually someone that looks like an action figure, right? Like
3: mm-hmm.
2: I don't look like that, so I appreciate the dudes that put the work in, and and they look like superheroes to me. He looked like a villain, and and the fact that those three got over like they did. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, they would have been absolutely heels with no chance of being babyface. Maybe not 20, but definitely 30 in the, in the, in the oh shit, I might have to go back 35 to get to the eighties. Maybe. Um, yeah. But like Godwin's ended up being babyfaces and they had that look in the eighties and seventies that you were never, ever going to be a baby face. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact, and they didn't do it by kissing babies and shaking hands and, and pandering. They just got over. Right. And, uh, right. So for me, being a body guy, right? The Lugers, the Sids, the Drew McIntyre's, like like him now versus him ten years ago, Drew's far more it than he was when he was that bean pole when he first came out, right? Okay. Um, Bray Wyatt still somehow got me to tap my toe. Got me to hum along with that doom, doom, doom. It reminded me of the doors back the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um all that stuff man he it was so and then he got in the ring and some of some of the mystique died because he just looked like a dude on vacation in that outfit but
3: but like but you're a body but you're a body guy like you said so it is what it is the 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 crab soccer walk
2: the the head games the other dudes getting in there it, it all worked man and like i think if i wasn't in my 40s, almost 50-year-old man. If I was younger, I would have been all in on that dude, for sure. Because mm-hmm. of the the pomp and circumstance of it all, it was a show. It mm-hmm. was that's something, that's a perfect example of um I always wonder why would someone go to a show when they can stay home and watch it on TV? Well, the answer is you want to see something live. That and experience it. Yes. Yeah,
3: to get that. the experience like
2: everyone else coming to the ring. The miss, nobody gives a shit. Bray Wyatt's entrance, the way me fo- me personally recently SummerSlam, the thing I was looking most forward to was LA Knight's reaction from the crowd, but was Cody, how he comes out and the crowd sings that whoa! And it mm-hmm. was every bit as larger than life there is it felt like it would be watching it at home on the TV, right? So uh-huh. so I, w- I would say Cody might even be the guy that's still larger than life to the kids but not like this. This is like this is more little boys like little boys want to grow up to be like this like they're they're mm-hmm. they want to be this is badass right and like, under- again yeah,
3: for the for the kids this is why i say that bray Wyatt is probably the last in life yeah. because yeah, of yeah. the costume because yep. of the mystique and all that stuff yeah so with the entrance and this and the cell phone lights going up and like like you said people humming to the tunes and all that stuff one of my b- vivid memories of one of the greatest Entrances ever for Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family per se. TW was WrestleMania 30 against John Cena because he had a live band entrance for it. And if you go on YouTube Reflection Nights, I know you don't like that TW going on YouTube, but it's a crystal clear link from WWE. It's about four minutes, but it's a great entrance for Bray. And I'm sure people are actually reliving that entrance from WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, Louisiana, from the Superdome. But TW. That's one of my vivid memories of Bray Wyatt. And of course, you know, I think it was, it was Eric Rowan hauling the chair like this, just carrying it. And again, everything, and for what 50, 60, 70,000 in the Superdome TW, to have the live band and the cell phone lights, the visual on TV, like you're talking about is great. I can only imagine, and you, I can only imagine being in the Superdome in front of 50, 60, 70,000 people with the lights, you're taking it all in. You're not you're looking part at it. the title. You're, you're part, part of it. it. Yeah, yeah. That, that is one of the most intriguing things about, you know, as, a, as I say, Undertaker's number one for the WrestleMania entrance experience. But Bray Wyatt is a close second, maybe one and one eight. Man, hit. Shawn Michaels in the zip line is is pretty good. No, no, no. I'm talking about because consistency. He didn't, he didn't. It's consistency. Yeah, yeah. Undertaker and Bray Wyatt are the consistent people that you, that you really like hone in on. Oh, I can't wait to experience right. it. I can't wait to feel it. I, I understand yeah, Shawn right. Michaels. And Shawn Michaels, no one and knew that was John coming. Cena even tried that, but he only saved that for WrestleMania. So it was almost gimmicky. They was trying to up his, upstage his entrances. I, I'm trying to like push back right, on Triple that. Triple H, it's, too. Yeah, it's so natural with Undertaker. It's so natural with Bray Wyatt with the entrances. You're like, oh shit, this is what I came to see. So let's say T.W. Like, do you remember that WrestleMania 30 entrance, or do you remember like I'm the, trying to the think? wall. How many SmackDown?
2: WrestleManias was that? Seven years ago. That was a uh, WrestleMania 30. So it wasn't a uh, fun how the. Uh... The cinematic match, it was an actual match
3: Yeah, it was an actual match
2: Yeah, so, I don't remember But there's another thing I don't remember as well
3: What's that? Which
2: is, uh, I just saw it today And it was like, wow I sent it to Travis and I was like I have no memories of this It was Bray and The Rock At WrestleMania Going at it, and The Mm -hmm. Rock ripped his stuff off And was ready to go, and he wrestled Eric Rowan But the, the tease of the two of them Mm-hmm. Was like I don't know why I don't remember that at all. That was that was uh, Hollywood because it, because it
3: was rock, kind of like you know, again for a hundred thousand fans supposedly in Dallas. the uh, it was Dallas. In, in Dallas, and then Bray Wyatt he had no match. The, right. the Wyatt family again, the Fireflies, all that stuff was iconic. It was three against one, and of course Cena was injured, so he came to save the the Rock. It became three on two with Cena and The Rock against the Wyatt family. No, but it no wasn't memories. No but memories it wasn't. It it at wasn't at a match. It wasn't a match. It was just right. an attraction. But, again, this is where the Smarks come in because they're like, oh, my God, Bray look horrible against The Rock. But they don't – but, like, you and I understand he got that's The Rub. The rub. There yeah. you go. He yeah. got The Rub. He got the seal of approval by being in a ring with two icons like and John Cena and The Rock.
2: And physically.
3: Right. So – with that memory, but there, a that, that, that's another iconic moment for Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. So if you want to talk about it that you forgot about it, go ahead, T.W. Look, no, I, I watched him go back and moment.
2: forth, and The Rock gave him a shine. He didn't. He healed on the other two, not Bray. So mm-hmm. people don't focus on that. And what do you think's gonna happen with a hundred thousand people in Dallas? When there's probably a good chunk of those people who only went because it was WrestleMania was in town. They probably don't follow the product. So the one guy in that ring they knew is The Rock. He's not going to go over on The Rock regardless. Mm -hmm. And, but here's the one thing I caught up about it. He's a heel, but that crowd, like, they were behind The Rock, but they were almost going to get behind Bray. Like, they purposely, like, you could feel like they were going to do it. And they're like, he's wrestling The Rock. And this is what I mean about LA Knight and Rey Mysterio. It's going to kill one of them if those are the two that fight, Mm -hmm. like, popularity wise. That's why you, you, whatever. But, Rock and Bray, that probably is one of the moments where they decided, yeah, we got to make this guy a babyface, right? Like, they could tell the crowd wanted to cheer for him. And Bray didn't come out and say, screw all you Boston fat boys. You know what I mean? Like, he just came out. He he was consistent. He was, the message was always the same. It was the Wyatt family. There was no cheap heat. There was no low-hanging fruit heat. They just came out and Mm -hmm. did it. And those are the people that usually organically get over like that. Not just to say someone ripping on the fans isn't fun, because that is too. I used to do it. I'm not even saying I'm taking a high ground. But he just had it. He had it. And he got to do it with The Rock. Not it, like you and the DMs, but it.
3: Yeah, right. But now, T.W., do you remember this iconic moment within the Wyatt family circle of of storylines? Do you remember when Daniel Bryan was kind of testing the waters of his dark side? And Bray was kind of manipulating him, just like I keep saying with the Kevin Sullivan reference, the Raven reference, the Jake Snake Robert reference, that Daniel Bryan was wearing the, the, the sewage suit, janitor suit yeah. the, the janitor suit, and almost was going to be an honorary Wyatt family member. And then in the cage, Daniel Bryan just woke up, he saw the light, the yes movement was going, and then he did the, the, the kick to Bray White, but... That storyline just made all the sense in the world. And the, the payoff, if you will, Reflectionites, was Daniel Bryan breaking free of that entrapment that Bray Wyatt's manipulation caused him to be in that situation. So, TW, what say you again? I'm not trying to like analyze storylines like, oh, this made Bray Wyatt better or worse or whatever the case may be. But we have that kind of, just like you said with WrestleMania 32, he's in the ring with The Rock. He's got storylines for days like this. What's the ATW about that I kind of went with Daniel Bryan?
2: The, the fact that I remember it in general and don't remember the one with The Rock tells you it's memorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and he had almost the same deal going with Randy Orton to where they ended up together. And it, those are two very, very memorable programs that he did. And you've talked about Cena. Then he had the Funhouse Firefly match with Cena. He did the stuff with The Undertaker. He, he, he did stuff with LA Knight. He did stuff as recently as that. So the, the, and, and like, you know, one of the things that I, I, I don't, I guess the older you get, you, the more your disbelief how far 2010 is. Right. But mm-hmm. when, when you read, he had a 10, 12 year run in WWE, you're like, what, how'd that happen? And then we start talking about memories. You're like, he just did so much that stuff got pushed so far back in the rear view mirror. You don't realize it's years now, not weeks mm-hmm. and months. And he just
3: had such. It's the, it's the what have you done for me lately syndrome right. that we get into. I mean, no, no, no. I don't mean that. No, no, no. I'm about the, Doing for the, for the, something for the to smarks. make you not even think about the good stuff he'd already done. But for and the when smart, you look, yeah. But for yeah. the smarks, it's what have you done for me yeah. lately? This sucks, and you clearly you're, clearly, you're done because you should all leave. Them were on
2: cloud nine when they knew he was coming back, and then as soon mm-hmm. as he has a he's shit all over, and it's like, right. come on, man, like. Uh, Give it a second. Jeez. And yeah. I don't even put the pitch black match on him. The fact that mm-hmm. Mountain Dew was involved, I think they just chose him to Before be in that we,
3: match. Yeah, let's not talk about the pitch back match. But now since we talk about the, like the Wyatt family little memories, we got to talk about the second incarnation character that he created. Again, when you get a little time off, if healing, mending injuries or taking like that TV time off per se, because one of the things the only detriment of Vince McMahon, and you know this, T.W., is, like, the Wyatt family was so iconic, but then Vince McMahon has this funny, like, you know, tunnel vision, like, oh, I gotta break him up because I think it's more money to have Bray Wyatt against Luke Harper or Bray Wyatt against Eric Rowan, and then he forgets that we celebrate a faction like that. We celebrate, like, the, the trios, you know, but Vince, you know, Vince McMahon's aneurysms and, and Alzheimer's and all that kicks in too much. But... In 2017-ish, 2018-ish, we get the second incarnation character, so to speak. Again, he was still the, because before that, even when the Wyatt family broke up Reflection Nights, he was still the Bray Wyatt. He was the solo Bray Wyatt. So it, I'm not saying it lost its mystique, but it was still there. But it just, he even knew that he had to like go so left. He had to go a different direction. And that's where The Fiend came into play. So it's hard to, like, let's say, reflectionize to even define who The Fiend is because you get many variations of an answer. And they all could be correct, T.W. So this is my variation of The Fiend. The Fiend was an alter ego of Bray Wyatt to coincide past aggressions or past experiences, so to speak, because... From The Fiend, when he wears the mask, he's protected. He's powerful. He's supernatural to a degree. And when he had his debut as The Fiend against Finn Balor at SummerSlam in Toronto, Canada, he decimated Finn Balor. Finn Balor wasn't the demon. He was just Finn Balor. But what The Fiend did was to create this supernatural gimmick in, in it, that he was impervious to paint. It was almost Undertaker-like, but... There was a backstory, too, because then on the, on the flip side is the Firefly Funhouse Reflectionites, and that's where he's wearing the, the sweaters. He's the so, psychopathic sociopath who, who is, like, he thinks he's good, but he knows that there's somebody, like, tussling his sweater, like a, a bad, uh, let's say, influence, T.W., if you will. But it's almost like he, like the Fiend was a big brother that he couldn't, like, control but the fiend, but the fiend was there. Now again, this is where my criticisms is tw about harnessing that because being so supernatural, the Undertaker was supernatural. But uh, but in the in the nineties, even the good guys could get that punch in on the Undertaker, and he felt it just a little bit. Nobody, when you punched the fiend, he didn't sell, and you, you, we saw that. I'm not saying it sucked. But that's one of the little bit of the drawbacks. But the fiend character. Drawback. Was, but the fiend character was so supernatural and was so strong. Then people were bewildered and I have to talk about this because this is celebrating the life. When he was the fiend character in Saudi Arabia and the world champion, he lost quickly to Goldberg. But I kind of defended it. I said he has no past issues with Goldberg. He had past issues with, like, let's say Daniel Bryan. He had past issues with John Cena. That's where the the 2020 uh, Funhouse match really comes in because he gets psychological with The Fiend and Supernatural that he can get his revenge on people that, th- that he feels did him wrong. Goldberg had nothing to do with him because he had no interactions. That's the way I defended it, and I'll still defend it to this day. So what say you about The Fiend character? Because I guess for Vince McMahon, to cr- it's more marketing, but it was a great mark. The fucking Fiend World Championship belt was selling for $1,500. I'm not that eccentric to buy a TW and I know you're a collector. You're not that eccentric to pay fifteen hundred unless Joe Biden or or President Trump was gonna give you some uh cash Trump back money. Yeah, or Trump money. But you was not gonna do that out of your hard earned overtime money. So what say you about the fiend character? It, it was huge.
2: I always just looked at I always thought it was Jason Voorhees. Like he just looked like somebody that escaped somewhere and the idea was we're not supposed to believe that's him, but we know it's him. It was, you know, alter ego stuff, man. Comic book stuff. That's that's I told you this before coming up when I came up. The two things wrestlers had in common were comic books and music. They mm-hmm. like the same music and, and the comic books. Now it's Japan, anime or however how you say it. Anime. video games,
3: mm-hmm.
2: anime and video games are the common denominator these days. But but I, I do it's it's. It's just we we all have it. It's struggle with with good and evil in us, where we don't, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's what he was doing in the last run was he was trying not to let the fiend come back out. So it's almost incredible, hulkish. Like Mm -hmm. make me angry, I'll fuck you up. If you don't make me angry, I'll hug you. You know. So it it was like he was trying, but you you you're right. He was nuts. It was Cape Fear. It was. He has, he sees no wrong in what he's doing, but he does, you know, he his outward is that he doesn't know, but if you give him the excuse, you've now justified him letting the gimp out. And so mm-hmm. it, it was great. And the problem with what you said earlier is if, if he's going to no sell everything, then what happens is, you know, it's like Andre the Giant not ever being body slammed, even though he had been body slammed a hundred times. He had been body slammed. So once Hogan body slammed him, that's a done issue. No one ever is going to worry about Andre the giant being body slammed again. No one would try it. No one would care if you did. So it's not worth the effort. So if nobody gets sold every time they hit them, the one guy that does do it is going to be called super Cena or super Hulk or super, whatever super mm-hmm. Goldberg. Um, and so it, it, it kind of puts you in a corner where you're like, well, we didn't let nobody else do it, so we can't. And then, you know what, but if Goldberg comes out and does it quick, then it makes sense because he did it quick. Well, no. Selling a punch and selling the spear, or no selling a punch or no selling a spear, is the same thing, and, and I think they just had to get Goldberg the heck out of Saudi Arabia in a hurry. That's why that's why it was so fast. But
3: but again, like I said, I defended that when people said how stupid that was for Goldberg to beat him that quickly. I didn't again, I said for the fiend character and all that mind manipulation, he has to have a reason to get right. revenge on people who and did him an wrong. That that's your angle. So for the fiend character, the weakness was if I have no history or backstory with you, I'm almost a, as as Let's say human. I'm more human against you than as the fiend, which could have worked, I think, in my humble opinion, because he had plenty of backstories with other people. And when you don't have a backstory with somebody and then he beats you, now you create the backstory where you can get that revenge. But again, Vince McMahon didn't tap into that kind of storyline per se. So let's put a bow on Bray Wyatt, TW again the last character was, you know, the Wyatt Six. And then of course there was a lot of, you know, hyperboles, if you will, because was the Wyatt Six gonna be like, let's say Carrion Cross and Scarlet and Bo Dallas as Hunk- Uncle Howdy and all that? Was the Firefly funhouse was gonna be, you know, born to life, you could say, you know, not puppets, but real people, maybe in those costumes wrestling. So, you know, what could have been? I mean, the one thing we we'll, you and I agree on. Dying at thirty-six, he he's already now in the. He's Jim Morrison. He's Kurt Cobain. He's Elvis Presley. You're gone too soon. You know, rap stars who 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 get shot in their twenty, like Notorious B.I.G. or Tupac Shakur. Now you're bigger, but the age is like, oh my God, you know what? A life of what could have been. So what's a Let's put a ball on the career of Wyndham Rotunda Trash the, o-
2: the only solace I have in it is that he had a pretty awesome thirty-six years. So. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you're going to go, you know, when you were talking earlier, uh, one of the things that Triple H said in the in the tweet was WWE member for life. And and, you know, I'm sure I'm sure someone tweeted, you released them, you know, because people are assholes. But the thing that popped in my head when you were talking earlier is, dude. They probably knew this dude since he was five years old when IRS brought him on the road for WrestleMania or something. Like, mm-hmm. this dude is a family member. Like, you know, Stephanie was Macho Man and Stephanie, the rumors of all that. But people have been around these kids their whole life. Like like The
3: Rock, like, like the know, Rock being the a kid, you know, hanging yeah. out with Andre and Hogan. It's right. the same thing with Husky Harris hanging out with Ted DiBiase and uh, so Macho Man. Probably and, and close Jake with to Ted's
2: brother or kids, you know. They probably mm-hmm. feel like cousins cody and you know cody being around these guys he's got to have been around those guys they're, mm-hmm. they're they grew up in the business man so it's like it's a full 36 years but it could have been so much more like you said like imagine what else he had coming especially he had all that time off from the from the illness he probably had tons of ideas that he was working on just to stay awake you know and be, not be bored laid out and, and mm-hmm. he had something to prove coming back from that pitch black match that everybody thought was a failure. It's again, I, I didn't think it was that bad. It was a wrestling match in the dark that we could see, but yeah, I, it's, it's tragic, man. But like I said, I take, I take solace and the other thing I take solace in, um, you don't see this very often. Um, I, I wanted to say this earlier when you said the hypocrites who are, uh, rest in peace, rest. In, I'd rather see that from a hater mm-hmm. than see somebody say, fuck that guy. Cause then, I got nothing to say to that guy. If you can't respect the dead, I don't care who it is. I don't hate anybody. There's people I don't like. And when they die, I'm not gonna celebrate it. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel bad for their family and friends. I'm gonna feel bad for them because they never had a chance to redeem. Because you're not human. Because you're someone human dies mm-hmm. and it's universal how loved that guy is. Mm-hmm. They just had a show in Wembley, you might have heard about it. Eighty-one thousand people. Most people ever to pay to go to the rest the show but not the most, I have to say this, not the most money made at a wrestling show, but they did a thing for him. That arena lit up there Fireflies and and the House of Black. I'm not a big Brody King guy, but I'm going to learn to be one because I love what those three guys are doing. It's obvious they they pay homage to that guy even before he died. It's very, very respectful. I love it. And this dude... If I do see someone say a bad word about Bray Wyatt slash Wyndham Rotunda, it's going to tell me a whole lot more about them than it does about him. Because it is it has been nonstop universal praise for this man. And Mm -hmm. and you you can see the hurt in people that had truly lost somebody. We lost somebody from our TV and it ain't the same. But I keep telling my buddy this, you know what, when you ever feel like Bray Wyatt, put on the fucking peacock and watch him you know it's not the same for them these guys sat with him in catering they sat with him you know his family obviously is even more of a loss but you, when you see the hurt on the faces of people that worked with him and 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 all you see on the internet uh, like when i saw the rock tweeted that out i'm like oh that's nice of him and then i see the clip of them doing i'm like what the shit i didn't even know that happened and so that's that's pretty awesome man and and mm-hmm. it's it's good to see it's very sad doesn't make it any less sad but it makes you feel good that he was loved, and you hope he knew that.
3: He he, he touched so many Yes. in, in the er, in the short span of his life of 36 yeah. years. So rest in heaven to Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. But we don't stop there, TW. We have to pay our respects on a guy who lived a natural life, a guy who lived it his own way by his own rules, and he was middle-aged and crazy, reflectionites, he was from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, Terry Funk and T.W. With with Terry Funk being born in June of 1944 and dying, you know, a couple of days ago, he lived the natural life of 79. And I know, you know, you're the gatekeeper of the listings like this, but it is a natural life. So in this part, because Cody Rhodes on SmackDown really talked about it, but we're going to hone in on it a little bit more. But Cody Rhodes. You know, Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk, one of the most natural rivalries in the history of professional wrestling. They did it in Florida. They did it in the NWA. They did it in the Indies. But Terry Funk had a 50-year wrestling career that started in 1965 when he worked in his father's promotion in Texas T.W. When you go from 1965 to 2015 or 2016 2017 my god the wear and tear that took right. on your body first and foremost
2: Plus, T-W. what he did which was above and beyond what a wrestler does absolutely it, it's just
3: how it old is 79
2: 79 then his career was almost 60 years because you just said he was born in 44 and started in 65 that mm-hmm. means he's 21 that's a 28 year or 58 year career
3: They'll give or take,
2: but you—you you obviously did wrestle the last couple of years, right? right. You're
3: right. but yeah. you know, in, in that 50 50 to 55. yeah, yeah, fifty to fifty-five. But TW, what say you about Terry Funk? The longevity that that he did—he put a lot of miles on his body. So I want you to give that—you know—that wrestler perspective. I mean, you did your ten-year You you he did your ten-year career, but yeah. he did it for ten. fifty years. You're not first of all, it's not over and it's going on 30. Second of I, just, all, I I just I knew I was gonna get you with that one. So go eleven ahead. solid
2: and then another four after that. So you mm-hmm. can even give me fifteen, but ten? Anyhow. All right, I'll this, give you i give Jerry, you eleven. Terry Funk did this thing. Um, you know, we watched a few matches because we were preparing to do just Terry. Um and I watched them and you know, I, there's not a lot to say about the matches themselves. It, it, it was cool. One of them was him versus Bruiser Brody. That was cool to see it set up Funks versus Hanson and Brody. Uh, but Terry Funk did something that I didn't know he did always. I know mm-hmm. he did it in WWE. Jimmy Jack Funk kind of did it too when he wasn't really a Funk, but they made him a Funk. Mm-hmm. He did this little, like, when he was ready to lock up with someone, it was like this little like engine shimmy? that could, Jimmy, oh. right? Mm-hmm. And and he did that from day one to the last day he wrestled. And he did that. And now what that is, he's a little kid in a grown-up body. He's the opposite of the shredded wheat. He ate the regular shredded mm-hmm. wheat without the without the frosting on it and went from a kid to an adult. But he never lost the lust for life. He even when he made movies, I mean, he's in Roadhouse, damn it. That's a cult hit. One of my favorites ever with my dude, Patrick Swayze, the coolest man to ever live. He did over the top with Stallone. am sure he did other stuff too, but he always came back to wrestling. He had no interest in being a Hollywood star. He just wanted to pay Dave for doing it every now and again, but he always wrestled. I'm hoping he didn't wrestle in the end because he had to. I don't think he did because I think they shoot had a ranch that they mm-hmm. they made money working on the ranch. But this guy was just a kid. I, I don't. I don't think ten.
3: money. I don't think money was an issue with, T- right. uh, with Terry. Ter- it was Terry. It was just the passion and yeah. the promoters. I think I, if we're gonna be, I'm gonna be a little bit like you know how I'm the most objective man, but I also think when you get to the 2000 and I think it started in, to me in ECW 1997, but the older that Terry got. And this is just me, and maybe you might disagree, or you could actually pull me away from this mindset. But if Paul Heyman is going to, like, not manipulate you, but if he pays you enough money to exploit you, but you know he's getting older, and and what what else can he offer in the business? Same thing with Vince. Same thing with, like, WCW. The same thing with all the indie promotions in the 2000s. Yes, he's a name. Yes, he's an attraction. But, you know, I didn't want to – I didn't want my childhood memory to be, I guess, tarnished. Maybe I'm selfish, T.W., but please pull me away from that thinking. I, just, I didn't want to see him like hurt himself in the ring as, the, as older he got. Right, because you're a compassionate human being, that's why. Mm-hmm.
2: But I'll tell you what they got.
3: And I know this
2: from working on shows with Honky Tonk, man. And I know this from working on shows with other guys. He's the only one I'm fine with naming because he was not a nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't shitty to the boys. But he, all he was was negative. So I have no problem pointing him out as the anti-Terry Funk. When you book Terry Funk, for one, I bet you he didn't fleece you for $1,500 trans in a hotel with a per diem. He probably mm-hmm. came in reasonable. But even more so than coming in reasonable, you got way more for your buck with Terry Funk than you got with Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk okay. Man would not bump. If he did bump, it would be the very last thing he did because he was putting you over. And that was it. The one bump was the finish. And even then, he might even just got counted out or disqualified instead of losing to you. Terry Funk, win, lose, or draw, gave you a 110%. And I will say this. Terry Funk was fun when he was in his 30s and 40s. He was infectious when he was doing chainsaw. I remember being mad that he wore the pantyhose and was called Chainsaw Charlie. But it dawned on me a little bit later they never even hid the fact that he was Terry Funk, not once that mm-hmm. that tells me that's something he wanted to do, like he made this character over the top crazy Grandpa, whatever, even if he didn't, that's how it came across to me, and one thing that all of that got him was a friendship with Cactus Jack that went everywhere they they, they these guys would kill each other. And just go back and hang out like it never happened because they trusted each other and they loved it. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I wouldn't want to see an old man fall and get hurt. May Young did that for me. However, May Young loved it. She mm-hmm. and she, you know what? They're both gone now. but It wasn't because they were in a wrestling match when it happened. They still got to die of old age, right? Right. So, so I wouldn't I wouldn't look at it like they were being exploited because nobody made them say yeah. And clearly. He said yes to everyone, so you can't mm-hmm. put it on Paulie or Vince or whoever. He did it because he wanted to, and he did it well. He didn't. He didn't come across like. Remember when Cena fought Austin, and he looked rusty as shit. Mm-hmm. Terry never looked rusty. And the, and this is another thing. I saw this. Uh, I'm sure you know what Chrysler is, even in New Jersey. The Big Three, Ford, mm-hmm. Chrysler, GM. They interviewed this 80 year old woman. She was emptying waste baskets in the in the offices of the thing. She had been there. For 30 something years. And they're like, hey, this is the news interviewing her. Hey, you can retire any day now with a full pension. What are you still doing here? She says, because I know what comes happen. I know what comes after retirement. She didn't even have to say the word. I hope you know what she meant. I know mm-hmm. what she meant right away. Death. That's right. what comes after retirement. So I think it it kept, m- that's he
3: lived for it. Yeah, it motivated him to just keep doing what he loved right. to do. He died in the so. ring.
2: He died with, doing what he loved to do. There was no harm. Mm-hmm. But one I'm thing gonna... I do want to say after this long-winded one,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I often point out to you that when I saw the movie The Wrestler, I'm like, that that guy doesn't exist. Because they make it out like he's Ric Flair or Hogan, who if they wanted to wrestle again, someone would book him, right? Mm-hmm. And then along came Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan to prove me wrong, right? <laughs> they, they just begging someone they got to hold their own shows terry terry funk never ever came across that way to me he never came across as someone that was working in the meat market at the grocery store and just living in a trailer park slumming it and needed money he came across as someone who was there because he wanted to be
3: and one of the main things tw about terry funk's legacy is not only the passion that he had for the business like you just eloquently said but he understood that the business needed to evolve yep. the business needed to change the business needed to grow. So how did you define that reflection? I for Terry Funk. He was involved in certain, not only boom periods, but he, he understood like the evolution of wrestling because he did it himself. Like in the NWA days when he was the, one of the first brother heavyweight champions, along with his brother, Dory Funk jr. He was technically sound, but a little bit crazy, but he kind of like, he didn't like go full fledged hardcore, right. but then with the rock and, but then in the eighties and then the ECWs and then the term hardcore became, you know, it was more defined darling. It was a darling word you could say, but Terry Funk even morphed himself, put a little beard on, you know, a little goatee, little beard. He went full cowboy ish. And then you can remember the great matches that he had in the 80s, like the empty arena feud that he had with Jerry the King Lawler. You can remember him beating the shit out of the pedophile ring announcer Mel Phillips on WWE superstars. You can remember him making an entire organization a revolution in extreme championship wrestling means something because he did things with Tommy Dreamer. He did things with Raven. He did things with Steve Carino. He did. Oh, not Steve Carino, Stevie Richards. He did things with primetime Brian Lee. The list goes on and on. You talked about Chainsaw Charlie. He elevated Mick Foley to a status that, he, that, that Mick Foley looks at him like a father figure. He did things for himself from being tec- technically sound to a degree in his 30s to being middle-aged and crazy in his 40s and 50s to being revered as, as a hardcore icon even in his 60s and 70. So say what's T.W., about his passion for the business, his love for the business, but his smarts for the business?
2: You just you just said he, he's, you know, people talk about how Jericho reinvents himself and Undertaker changed some things up. He's got he's got a different look for a, like almost every decade but you still remember Terry Funk. You don't even dissect it and say different, like uh, what I was going to say you earlier, the match with Bruiser he didn't have facial hair mm-hmm. and Every time I saw Terry and Dory Funk, which I didn't see a lot of Dory Funk they brought him in at the very end with Terry. I'm like, that's not his dad? Like he, Dory looks so much older than Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw him in that match with no facial hair, holy hell, they look alike. They, they, I wonder if he grew that goatee out to not look like his brother Dory, right? And, and one thing he had going for him, he looked like he was going bald in 77 and had a thing Wait, you talking hair. about Dory or are you talking about Terry? Terry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dory was bald. Yeah. Terry looked like he was going bald in 1977 and all the way up until 19 or 2017, he still had the exact same hair. It might have been a little thinner, but the mm-hmm. hairline was still the same and he said the Jerry curl going in the back whatever, but he he just he and and me There's two things that I talk about to this day that I learned from him as a heel in WWF is Double Cross Ranch. I I don't know why it is. My entire life since that year I saw him, I referenced Double Cross Ranch. If ever a ranch comes up in a conversation, I'm like, oh, the Double Cross like that. Mm -hmm. The second thing is branding people. I didn't know the fuck that was until Terry Funk. But Mm -hmm. that dude had that branding iron and that thing kind of went with him through all the stages even if it was a shout out to nostalgia if he brought it back up cuz he was going to hit Mick Foley with the brand he lit it on fire and it mm-hmm. just he was awesome man he was he was infectious he was a bad guy that you loved to like or to hate and mm-hmm. so and the best thing about him that that empty arena match with Jerry Lawler he's such a shit talker never dawned on me and go back and watch it when he's talking to Lance Russell before he thinks Jerry Lawler's gonna show up. He sounds like Bobby Heenan. Everything mm-hmm. he's saying sounds like Bobby. He was funny. And, and then he turned into this big chicken, a weasel. And it's almost a pity that Bobby Heenan was never with Terry Funk. It was Jimmy Hart with Terry
3: Funk, right? In WWF, yes, he was, yeah, it was they yeah, would
2: have yeah, been Jimmy great Hart. together. They would have been hilarious. But but yeah, it's but Jimmy Hart had his place here. You, you know what it is? Jimmy didn't really talk for the guys like Bobby did, because those guys were able to talk for themselves, and Jimmy talked for the ones that couldn't. But mm-hmm. T- Terry Funk had it, man. He, 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 And he's second generation, at the very least. Who knows what Dory Funk...
3: Third, third generation, because Dory Funk Sr., Dory Funk Jr., then Terry Funk, you could say. they brothers. No, no, but you know what I mean. I meant he's the son of a wrestler. Yeah. I
2: don't. He has any kids that wrestle, but mm-hmm. I, he might have had a grandfather to wrestle. He's him. And I think he has, he has
3: a, I think mostly he has daughters, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, point, I
2: think they're so. cute too. I heard. I think.
3: Yeah, so maybe maybe one of the daughters will take the mantle and maybe hone a wrestling career. You know, who never? It would have you to be a grandkid
2: by this point, dude. The daughter's in her
3: forties, dude. No, no, I'm just saying. You never know. I'm just right? yeah. if you're one of the daughter's kids could. DDP started at 38. Yeah, you never know. So let's talk about certain memories about Terry Funk. And again, you and I did a PWR greatest rivalry. So I at least have to start there. We did Terry Funk and Ric Flair. And I'll say this, and I will keep saying this to every reflection night, that the 1989 NWA presentation of Terry Funk, when he, I don't want to say betrayed, but he just got crazy when Ric Flair kind of disrespected him. When he asked for a world championship match, and then put him and driving him through the table, that culminated to Great American Bash, that culminated to Halloween Havoc in the Thunderdome, that culminated to the I Quit match in in Clash of the Champions. That was pure par excellence Terry Funk at his best. Because again, on WCW Saturday Night, you even talked about the chicken shit promos that he talked about. He called Ric Flair the yellow yellow dog coward and all this stuff. But what say you TW about we did a show about that but that just showed you the, the peak of terry funk because again you know he came off of over the top he came off of roadhouse like you said but he just loved the business so we did not know where terry funk's wrestling career was gonna go because again at that point we found out that jim Hurd didn't like terry funk because he was too old in jim Hurd's eyes so he wanted him to like Gloss away and, and fade away into the sunset and become the next Jesse Debye Ventura. But Terry Funk said, "Fuck you, Jim. I'm no Jesse Ventura. I'm no And he was a decent commentator, but his passion was in the ring, no matter what. And it wasn't
2: to wasn't that night Slam and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame for a WCW Hall of Fame or something, or was it nin- everyone in the, else in the nineties? I, I don't. That, he that 89 be. match that he was in he was in a suit. Because it was, no, it no, was no.
3: he was a judge. He was a judge in oh, the, uh, in okay, the okay, title okay. match for Ricky Steamboat and Flair.
2: But but the whole night he would take like subtle shots at Rick in the ring when they were talking. But the whole night he was down the middle. He was mm-hmm. like, and they they put it put him out there like he was retired, and that's why you know whatever. And then when he asked Rick Flair for the title shot, it was kind of a shock. Like, huh? Mm-hmm. Like he was retired, and then Flair going, yeah, yeah, whatever, old man, you know whatever. It was. A master stroke of genius. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was there because Vince sent him out to pasture because he said he was too old, right? And now yeah. he ends up in movies and then goes and does that because they'll use him. Um, but it was it was some of the best stuff, man. I can still I can close my eyes, shut my mouth, and I can hear him say I quit to Ric Flair. Yeah, 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 yeah I quit, I quit, I quit after teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. So basically what he did was you said it was his par excellence. It was the same stuff he did with Lawler in Memphis. He had a formula, and he he milked it. And by the time he does it with Flair, he's got it down. It's it's he knows what worked, what didn't work in Memphis, and it and it just I love when you say stuff that started in June and ends in in January. It's like that's a beautiful thing. This fast food wrestling we have nowadays, where feuds start on Monday and they're over. In three Mondays, it's like, on to mm-hmm. the next guy. That's why they all wrestle each other a thousand times. Back then, that them, them might have been the only three matches those three had that entire year,
3: other on than the tag yeah. match. Yeah, other than, other than house shows, but on yeah. TV, that was the three matches you could say. But, yeah, yeah. I get where you go with that, because it told a story, and you it projected to it. You save it. You save it for the big moments, and that's one it. of the beauties of Terry Funk. I would say this, T.W., about Terry Funk, because, again... The image that you talked about, the braining iron and the cowboy hat and the tassels chats. and all that. And the, well, the chaps, but you know, he's not village people. You're probably wearing but. chaps
2: right now. You probably pose your no, no, no. Uh,
3: online chaps. If oh. I'm wearing chaps, I'm wearing Terry Funk chaps, not village people chaps, but oh. that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> in, in the terms of, of Terry Funk, like you said, that he understood the positives and the negatives of what works and what doesn't work. So when you get into the 90s T.W., like, the value of Terry Funk, he even knew that, I don't know if I have value in WCW. I don't know if I have value in WWF in the in the early 90s to mid-90s. But when ECW came to pasture, when ECW came to existence, Paulie, Ed, Eddie Gilbert, Todd Gordon, whatever the case may be, they knew that Terry Funk still offered something. And those matches that Terry... He, you said you didn't see Terry and Dory in w- only in WWF. But Terry right. and Dory Funk Jr. had a war in ECW against the public enemy. And there's an, infamous, there's an infamous memory with the Funks. There's an infamous, infamous memory with, with Terry Funk in ECW. I'm sorry. not I'm just because that was a blood feud between the Funk brothers and public enemy. They, they tore All the dead. I- Shut up with that. Please don't <laughs> do that.
2: Don't do that. Not now. Not I had, now. To, I had I, to do it
3: once. I, They're I, having I, that match right now in heaven. There you go. Yes, they are. And and Bob Barker is calling it right now. He, yes. he has the microphone. Rest in peace to Bob Barker. But there's an infamous moment where Terry Funk and Cactus Jack are in an ECW ring, and the ECW arena, after a couple of beers, TW, I don't know who started it, but one of the motherfuckers threw a chair in the ring. It caught Terry Funk in the face. They caught Mick Foley in the legs and everybody, 200 to 500 people are starting to throw chairs in the ring and bury the public enemy inside in the middle of the ring while Terry Funk and, and Mick Foley are trying to like duck and dodge these chairs. And the ring announcer had to say, stop throwing the chairs Stop!" because you're committing like, you know. Crime. a crime right there, it's assault right there. But that's an iconic moment in ECW. But I, what I wanted oh, to yeah. say because of, they, those people killed those people. Well, Mick Foley's not. But oh yeah. But I will say Creary. this. I because I, I'm I kind of veered to the left of my tangent. But what I wanted to say is like Terry Funk knew that he not to say he had nothing to offer WWF or the big leagues, if you will. But he knew he had to offer something to the, for the next generation of it superstars. Forward, yeah. So he's paying it forward, and ECW was the perfect platform, the perfect vehicle, because he represented the tradition of the 70s and the 80s, and he saw someone like Dreamer. He saw somebody... And again, he gave the rub to Cactus Jack, who didn't get it in WCW per se. He needed somebody with the star power of Terry Funk to put him over. Raven needed somebody with the star power of Terry Funk to put him over. Sandman needed somebody with the star power of Terry Funk to put him over. So let's say you about Terry Funk, knowing his value is not in the big leagues, but in this renegade promotion.
2: I, 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 yeah, he 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 helped make those people stars, and and a couple of them guys had some tarnish to get off of them because of how they were used in the other two promotions. Is Scotty Flamingo and Johnny Polo? Then he became Raven, and now he's iconic, right? Like he survived a couple mm-hmm. of gimmicks that would have made him Duke the Dumpster Drossies of the world, like people we remember, but not mm-hmm. a lot of. And he did that. And I I wonder if that's why he was Chainsaw Charlie is because Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack, Cactus Jack is the star. Cactus Mm -hmm. Jack and Terry Funk, Terry Funk's the star. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I always wonder if that's why he was Chainsaw Charlie with the stupid mask. The people that knew knew and the ones Mm -hmm. that didn't. Oh, Chainsaw Charlie, whoever this guy is. Right. So it's 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 it, it adds to the what I already thought guy wrestled as late as he did in his life because he loved it and he did that because long after he's gone he wants the business to still be here and that's a good thing because i can tell you right now yes i don't want my job to ever go out of business like the last one did that still kind of stings a little bit but when i'm gone why the hell do i care right this dude wanted to lay the foundation for the future that didn't include him by being in it in the Mm -hmm. now and helping and create those people. And it's, it's admirable.
3: Right. So TW, before we close on this PWR spotlight or the PW remembers Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk, let's put a bow on Terry Funk because, you know, if you want to talk about some of the matches that caught your eye or or you want to put a bow on the matches that you saw? What did you see out of Terry Funk in terms of his athleticism, in terms of his character, in terms of where you saw the way he he presented himself in that ring?
2: You know, it's funny. I I, I wasn't even gonna talk about this, but I I have to. Now you worded it like you spoon you you set it up
3: mm-hmm.
2: early. Terry Funk versus Bruiser Brody. They both, to me, look like guys that probably played sports in high school, probably worked on a, a machine oh, line f- somewhere.
3: F- played uh, amateur f- uh, college football or right? Uh, no,
2: no, no. I'm football. talking about their bodies. Their bodies. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. They look like they, you know, they they had muscles from their life, not oh, from okay. the gym, right? Mm-hmm. And then you Scooby Doo to the match against Jerry Lawler in the arena, and it's like. I went quickly from going, Yeah, that's those guys are natural to going, Terry went on a cycle. He definitely went on a cycle <laughs> because he was smart enough to know that's where the business was going to become the land of the giants. And uh-huh. and but he always still had like he had a I wouldn't I wouldn't say athletic body, but he had like like what the people call today, a dad bod without the belly. He had that, okay. and then he mm-hmm. went on that little run, and and he had he messed me up a little bit because he went from two knee pads to one knee pad. But he was a brawler. He was a brawler. Did that sweet pile driver. His pile driver wasn't pretty, but it looked like it fucking hurt. So mm-hmm. it was it was it was again something you feared.
3: Um, the pile driver he did was not like the Paul Orndorff. It, it, it was a just sit down. It just was a he, sit down. He he kind of. I call it the recliner pile driver because he's just like, Ugh.
2: Oh, Dorse is called the jumping pile driver and mm-hmm. Terry Funks, Jerry, La- no, Jerry Lauder did the standing pose one, but uh, MJF does a thing where he does like a slingshot version of the sit down pile driver. But that's mm-hmm. the one where you just take the guy. You don't even hold the guy up. You just got him bent over. Like you just met him on DMS. To, and to me, falls to me back. Terry,
3: Terry Funks pile driver looks the safest out of all of them.
2: It's absolutely the safest, but it looks the most brutal. From if you think they're really hitting their head, because it's matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I get Paul Orndorff probably looks the worst, but but mm-hmm. I mean, like it looks like snub nose, like the DDT. Right?
3: No, I, I get you. I get
2: you. It almost looks like a DDT, but between the legs instead of the arm and the and the love handle. I I, I but totally he, get you. He he was he punched a lot. I don't even know if he clotheslined a lot. That was it was just a scrapper, but he could go with anybody. Like one of the matches with Flair wasn't it sixty minutes or at least.
3: It no, was a long fought, one. It, it was 30 minutes in at the yeah. bash. He fought like yeah. almost 30 minutes with, against yeah. Flair and in, in 1980 at the bash. It no. wasn't 30
2: minutes of rest holds. It was a mm-hmm. win. He did a lot of – he was hardcore before it was a thing, like you said, before that word was coined because him and Bruiser mm-hmm. Bodie were killing each other. Him and Cactus Jack in the ECW match stabbing each other in the stomachs and the foreheads with stuff, um, pulled the knife on Jerry Lawler, I think it was, and then stabbed his own eye. That was a beautiful spot, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's where he went from badass to – Get it out there. he turned it to the weasel. It was beautiful, man. He, he, he did the perfect style for his heel character. and then when he mm-hmm. became a baby face, he was just reckless abandonment. He just threw mm-hmm. his body. He's like RBD without the pretty stuff, but he just landed however he landed. He'. He,
3: he, he, knew, you. he knew in his 40s that he had to change his approach in the ring, and in his 40s, he did the moon salts. He didn't yeah. do it in his 30s. He was more, right. he was a brawl, like you said, he was a brawler, a bruiser, and refined in the technical realms. But in his 40s, he just said, I go balls to the wall. I'm going to give you everything I got. And then he just added the moonsault into his repertoire. I just wanted to give you that kind of. I've
2: never of to this day pulled off a successful moonsault and starting in my 20s. So t- at 20, I was trying to do moonsaults. Al Snow would just laugh at me and go, Tuck your chin. Because every time I went to go, I would look. I don't look. Wherever you look, your head goes. Enrico mm. would do them all day. I never ever did one. I couldn't do it. I was too afraid. But Terry Funk did it in his 40s.
3: Yeah. And with that Not being, a- and with that being said, Reflection Nights, I think there's nothing left to say except rest in heaven to Wyndham Retunda, aka Bray Wyatt. Rest in heaven to Terry Funk from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. And TW, before we close out. Properly. Rest in peace to Bob Barker. And rest in peace to peace Bob Barker. Barker.
2: Family, damn it.
3: And rest in peace to the original Harley Quinn voice. I forget her name. And Anne Sorkin, But if you remember TW, the uh, Batman uh, animated series of the 90s, she did that voice of Harley Quinn back then. Oh, so yeah. rest Rest in peace to her. So with before we give out those socials so we can get out of here, T.W. wanted to open some new gifts that he got or some new crates. So hopefully it's maybe Terry Funk or maybe Bray no, Wyatt no. induced. No? No, but this, we talked about them. Mm, the Undertaker and the Gobbly And
2: Hector Guerrero. I'm not opening this thing up, but it's the Ultimates. And inside of here are packages that look like... Wait. You got the gobbledygooker in your collection? Yeah, I only bought it because <laughs> of that. It's oh this God. is one that I'm not married to, if you will. That one day, but it has the pop up stage, the egg, and you can put them in it to come out of the egg.
3: You, and then you got I that saw, on? A, you got that on a clearance? Did you?
2: No, this just came out, man. Oh, Jesus, I'm not going to tell you man. what this costs. If
3: but,
2: that costs uh, too
3: much, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, is that a collector's item? Yes, Everybody railed. It's, it's on exclusive that. to oh, Amazon. Okay.
2: So okay. in about 3 months from now it'll be worth double what I paid for it.
3: Gotcha. So if you and paid then, 150 for that, hopefully it'll be worth 300 bucks.
2: I didn't pay no 150. I
3: ain't that dumb. Okay. But uh oh, I got this too. This one. I see Hogan, I see The Rock, I see Austin, and is that The Undertaker? Or is Becky that the
2: Oh. But see this right here? Mhm. They recalled these. Because it didn't say then, now, forever, together. They recalled it. This changed the box. And now they're back out with that. I mm-hmm. got this before the recall. That's that means weird. that's going to be worth something. Right. But this is what Ray loves. Oh, Lord. I, I am going to open it up. I'm going to try to be quick. Because I think we went longer than you thought. And you mm-hmm. got a couple dudes waiting on you. So, ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to hide the card. I, th- I think I remember the... the, the I know this, one this person play. that's in this. Mm-hmm. God rest his soul. I'm hoping the shirt is him. Let's see. All right. I already like this.
3: It is a shirt. Yeah. Is this pink or is orange? Well, oh, it's red.
2: I it's like ready. the shirt. Oh, this reddish. is
3: going in. This is going in the I will wear it pile. Brian Danielson, sh- red shirt. That's that's a good American one. I like red. that one.
2: Second shirt.
3: googer. no it's not
2: yeah, i like this guy i think he made the wrong decision what company he went to but
3: jay white the switchblade nice <laughs> shirt adam I, cole. I, no that's jay white that's the yeah, i thought
2: the word said adam cole i swear <laughs> I, I read that all right i like both shirts i'd wear them both mm-hmm. the patch the stinger i'm gonna have to get a denim jacket start putting these patches on me. oh i feel like mm-hmm. they're socks the socks Thoroughly disappointed. I'm happy for him being in this box, but
3: who is that? Brian Pillman. Oh, okay. I was hoping that doesn't even even look like Brian Pillman. I know. Jesus Christ, who is drawing these people? An
2: ad for Matt Cardona's figures.
3: That I saw saw Van Housen on that picture, but neither here nor there. Skinner.
1: Skinner.
2: Good. This is a guy I was hoping definitely wasn't a shirt. I just talked about him.
1: Brody
3: King.
2: Brody King. And I don't remember who the other people were in here. Let's see who the eight by ten is of. Sometimes there's two. I got two one time, but I... thank goodness this wasn't the shirt.
3: Butterbean. It's me. It's me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's it. This is uh this is lukewarm. I'm happy that the picture was of the one. I didn't care who was in it. One day I'm gonna sell all these pictures in a lot. They're all certified. I,
3: I, w- I wish you would have got a butterbean shirt just to have fun with, just just yeah. to see your face.
2: That, that would have been in the lot. Yes. And I got all these pins. I think I'm gonna get a board and put the pins on the board.
3: Oh, put it on. Put it on your refrigerator.
2: I'm I'm okay with sting. I always hope that this is the one, like the pillman or the sting, but I mm. got the orange and blue surfer sting already from the AEW show, and I have the red, white, and blue sting coming in the mail, along with the CM Punk one, because I'm all in on CM Punk. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. his shirt comes one time. I like Skinner. He's all right, going. I ain't never going to wear these socks.
3: Okay. So with that being said, TW's lukewarm pro wrestling crate unboxing, the reveal... I guess it's a C, and with that being said, we close on this special PWR episode as the PWR podcast remembers the life and career of Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk here at the Homie Media Group at PowerBeam.com. So, before we get out here, TW, give out those socials, please. All righty.
2: I wasn't prepared. All right. So, the pwc network at podbean.com as we can find the pro wrestling coalition I media group at podbean.com as well as channel our twitter x is at pw reflection Travis I mentioned him so he's at nuts and bolts pw v o e l t z pw big ray you can find him every Wednesday on the nxc it's next level uh, this past week he was without april I believe um, and then you can find him on every single social media platform there is at Big Ray Hernandez. You can find me on X at Tommy Wonder Nineteen and at the Tommy Wonder. You can also find me on Snapchat at Number Wonder. You can find me on Instagram at, at Tommy Wonder Nineteen and TikTok at the Tommy Wonder. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder and also you can find big veto and Noel at big veto brand.wixsite.com patreon.com backslash the big veto brand and you can watch the early release of reflection videos at twitch.tv backslash the big veto
1: brand
3: and you can find me on my excerpt at pwso prf that's pwso prof and if this gets uploaded by 8-track round this will be available on the pwso networks on the YouTube. follow my brothers in arms Billy Ray B- Valentine, the man of the Wednesday Locker Room at OB One You Know Me, and of course the King of the Reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number eight, T R A C Brown. So again, this was a you know a special edition PWR podcast because of the circumstances beyond our control. So next week, hopefully we'll go back to episodic, we'll go back to rivalries, we'll go back to spotlights, we'll go back to movies, we'll maybe do a what if, but again, you know. We have to do what we have to do here because with the, you know, being nostalgic, we still have to, you know, pay respects to the lives and careers of certain people in the wrestling business. So hopefully we'll get back to our regularly scheduled PWRs, but, you know, I'm proud to do this with my brother, TW, so because we celebrate life and we celebrate, you know, what we've grown up. And, you know, again, we pay homage to the people who put their bodies on the line for this thing called professional wrestling. With that being said, I'm the professor that's Mr. Wonderful, Dum Dum Do Idiot So the Iron Stubborn One, the man that just is, keeps like wrapping, folding his shirts. You know, he he's multitasking, but he's not looking at the camera, goddammit. Heidi. I can, that's why I wear
2: sunglasses for the record, because I can't tell where the camera is. Keep, and every time I look at the screen, my
3: eyes have been somewhere the, the word is keep it kayfabe, but neither here nor there. That's TW. Woo! Tommy Wanda saying good night and we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at Tom I Me mean Media Group at Pobbeam.com. Peace and rest in peace to Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. And Bob Barker And Bob Barker